You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. It's sunny right now, but the weather is on the way, so make sure you're careful this afternoon and evening. Uh, They're calling for some thunderstorms rolling in here to the Auburn area about I think about 5 o'clock is what I was looking at. Uh, Make sure you pull the weather up and look for yourself. Please don't take my word for it. Uh, I speak on sports, not weather. So I did see the alert earlier uh, that Auburn had sent out the university. I still get the alerts from them, like on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, But there's supposed to be some weather coming in this afternoon, so make sure you're keeping an eye on that and staying safe if you're out driving, doing whatever that you do. But hope you're doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. You've made it to hump day. Congratulations. We have a couple of more days before we hit the weekend. Of course, SEC Media Days is next week. We're going to talk a lot about that today and in the coming days as well. But again, hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Phone lines are open today. Let me hear from you. We got a lot to talk about. I know you have a lot to talk about as well. Give me a call. Be a part of the show. 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Anything you want to talk about, anything you want to bring up and talk to me about, ask a question, uh, bring up a topic of discussion, let's talk about it. Anything related to sports, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. That will put you through to me here in the studio. Phone lines are open. You can call in at any point today. I'd love to hear from you. But we have a lot to discuss. We are 52 days away from the college football season when Auburn kicks off on September 3rd. The countdown, we are oh so close to the countdown of 50. It'll be on Friday will be the 50-day mark. Uh, I think that just makes sense. Right, Friday will be the 50-day mark, and then we will start next week at SEC Media Days. And then after that, a couple of weeks, it'll be fall camp, fall practice, and then a month from then, it will be the start of the season. So lots to get to before that, before the start of the season. But it's, it's oh so close, and I just cannot wait. I know you can't wait as well. But reminder, we're going to talk about it a lot today, but if you have not heard... Next week at SEC Media Days over in Atlanta, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I will be live broadcasting on the line from 2 to 4 on ESPN 106.7, live from Radio Row at SEC Media Days. Make sure you tune in for that. We're going to have a lot of great content, audio, guests on the show. It should be a fantastic week in Atlanta for SEC Media Days. I've been a ton of times as a fan. Uh, I've never actually been as part of the media, so I'm really excited to have that opportunity opportunity uh, to get to go over there and grab as much audio as possible hoping to, to interview quite a few people whether it be coaches players other media personalities really really looking forward to uh, to, to having that experience over in Atlanta for media days and so again make sure you stay tuned and you tune in next week for that because 
So much good content coming out of Atlanta with all of the SEC football coaches and the players and big-time media personalities, a bunch of radio hosts and everything like that are going to be over there. So really excited for that. Again, tune in next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, same time, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Uh, Dan Peck, co-host of The Drive, he'll be joining me during On the Line from 2 to 4, and then he will call in and do The Drive from 4 to 6 uh, from SEC Media Days as well. And then Ben Taylor, host of Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI, he'll be running my board so he'll be here in studio uh, playing interviews and all of that good stuff so we got a whole crew put together to make sure that this happens and, and is possible next week so really excited lots of great content sound bites interviews guests everything like that it should be a fantastic week uh, we're able to play some of the audio from when coaches and players are at the main podium we're able to to get some of that so we'll play some of that next week uh, I'm going to be going around and getting you know asking questions getting interviews and and you know all of that good stuff from whoever I can get a hold of that would be great for the show so we're going to do that we're in the works on getting some big time guests on the show next week while we're over there on Radio Row at SEC Media Days some of my weekly guests that I have on the show normally they're going to be at SEC Media Days so they'll be sitting down with me live instead of over the phone which will be really exciting for that as well so lots going on over at Media Days next week again 2 to 4 same time right here on ESPN 106.7 but we'll be live from Radio Row at SEC Media Days. It's a dream come true for me. I'm super, super excited. I hope you're excited as well for all the content that we'll be able to provide for, provide for you right here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn Opelika. That's why we are the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. But talking about SEC Media Days, I was, you know, doing some show prep today, and I was thinking about the conferences as the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC and how they have these media days every single year, right? The SEC is by far the the big one that everybody has their eyes on, and it's by far the the one it's the one that everybody gets excited about and the entire country has their eyes on. But looking at it as a whole why do we have SEC media days? Why does the ACC have media days? Why do these big-time conferences have a week-long, or the SEC is a week, some of them are only a couple of days, but why do they have these media day sessions? What is the point of bringing these coaches and players and officials and media personalities together at the same place for a few days or week, however long, to talk and do all of this? What's the point, right? Is this important and why? Is it important? Really important. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the point of not that we get just groundbreaking, just over-the-top news from SEC Media Days and from the other conference media days as well. Nick Saban does not come out and say, hey, this is my last season. I'm done at SEC Media Days. That type of announcement doesn't come out. Greg Sankey's not going to come up to the podium and say, hey, guess what? We just got Clemson and Florida State coming to the SEC. That's not going to happen either, right? So it has stuff like that it has in the past, but that's not what this is about. SEC Media Days is about the coaches and the players coming, and it's really just a, it's the unofficial kickoff to the college football season. I think they used to, to promote it that way. I don't know if they still do or not, but it's basically the unofficial kickoff to the college football season. Because once you get to media days, like this year, you're less than 50 days out. 
This is when people really start talking about and thinking about the upcoming football season. And you get to hear whether you're an Auburn fan, Alabama fan, Missouri fan, whoever you may be, right? You get to hear your head coach for the first time in what will probably be a few months because of the offseason through the summer. This will be the first time you get to hear your head coach sit down and talk about this upcoming season because fall camp and fall practice is right around the corner. They get to sit down and talk about it, and you get to sit back and listen. And it's covered on national TV, radio, uh, online, on articles, everywhere, all week long. That's what Media Days is about, is the, the fans and the media getting a chance to listen to these coaches sit down and talk about the upcoming season, what their expectations are, some of the players that they have on the team that they're excited about. They talk about the transfer portal and what they've been able to bring in. They talk about the recruiting trail and how they've had either good success or they're still trying to make some momentum, create some momentum, whatever you want to say. You get to hear all of that. But you also get to hear these coaches and hear their perspective on national issues going on around college football, NIL, and Transfer portal will also be a part of that. And conference realignment. Those are going to be some major topics next week at SEC Media Days. And you get to hear these coaches talk about where they stand. Nick Saban made a comment yesterday, I believe, saying that conference realignment and mega conferences is probably here to stay. Those are the types of comments that are going to be made at SEC Media Days next week. But you get to hear these coaches and where they stand on some major issues around college athletics and college football. That's what SEC Media Days is about. You also get to bring some players. And think about how exciting that is for the three players from every team that get selected to go to SEC Media Days. You get VIP travel. Most of the schools are going to take their private jet from wherever they're coming from, whether it's Gainesville, Florida, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Auburn, Alabama, they're going to take a private jet. And they're going to fly into Atlanta. They're wearing fancy suits, fancy shoes. They're all style, styled up, looking good, right? They get to fly with their head coach. They get to have that, realistically, that one-on-one time with their coach. Yeah, there's three of them, but, I mean, you get a one-on-one with your head coach, something you probably don't get to do a whole lot. So the players, the three that get to go, you take, you know, for Auburn, it's Tank Bigsby, John Samuel Shanker and Derek Hall this year are going to be at SEC Media Days for Auburn. Those three guys get to hop on a private jet with Brian Harson. You fly from Auburn to Atlanta, the quick 30-minute flight that it is. You get to have that time, and then when you walk into the CNN Center in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame, all eyes, ears, cameras, whatever it may be, microphones, they're all on you. How exciting would that be? That's such a cool experience for these young college players to have this opportunity. You go to media days, and like I said, everybody's watching you. Everybody wants to talk to you. Pictures are being taken. Microphones are being put at you. Every ounce of attention is on you. You get to go, and you are... You're it for the day. And that's super cool for these players to be able to do. The coaches, eh, not so much. I would put money that most of the coaches don't enjoy going to SEC media days. They don't like it. They may tell you that they do. Some probably do, but most of them don't. Coaches like Nick Saban, he doesn't like to go to media days. He has better things to do than to give uh, BS answers to the media about the upcoming season and about college football stuff. He'd rather be at, back in Tuscaloosa doing something with football. I promise you he would rather be doing that than sitting at media days all day. 
next week. I can promise you that. But there probably are some coaches that enjoy media days too. You've seen, remember Dan Mullen? He used to really like media days. He'd dress up nice and have fancy shoes and all that, and, and he always loved it, right? I think some coaches do. But for the players, it's a really exciting time. You get to go, and like I said, you are it for the day. You dress up super fancy. You get to go around to all the different radio tables and TV stations and to the big, the big conference room, and you get to talk and just answer questions. And you get to that's the perfect opportunity for you as a player to hype up yourself and your program. That's what it's about. This is the time for the players and the coaches to hype up your program and get people on board with Auburn or LSU or Georgia, whoever it may be. When you sit down at the podium or you sit down on that SEC network table or, hey, if you sit down at the ESPN 106.7 table, that's your perfect time to let everybody know why people should be a part of your program, why people should buy in to your program and buy into you individually. That's what's cool about Media Days, whether it's the SEC or any other major conference. And I think you're going to see that a lot next week. It happens every year, but you're going to see it a lot next week. And I think for Auburn, Brian Harson, it's very important at Media Days next week for him. This is his second year, and look, there's some mixed emotions right now about this team and this program. Coming into really a couple of days ago, I thought the, the optimism was on the rise. Right? I thought that the national media, local media, fans had started to, to really get behind this program a little bit, but we've seen some stuff come out over the last couple of days that maybe that's not the case so much. There are some people that are, maybe you could call them realists, that are saying, Brian Harrison's on the hot seat. He's year two, but he's already in a situation where he has to win and he has to win now. I think he's in that spot. And so at media days, that's the perfect time for you to come up there and tell people why Auburn is a place that you should want to play if you're a recruit. Auburn is a place, if you're the media, keep your eye on. Auburn is the place where TV needs to be, radio needs to be, and keep your eyes and ears on Auburn because good things are going to happen. That's what Brian Harson has to try and instill next week on Thursday when he's in Atlanta at SEC Media Days. And for the players... It's the perfect time for you to tell exactly what's going on. Now, obviously, if there's bad stuff, whatever team it is, you probably don't want to air that out. But if all the good stuff going on behind the scenes, that's the time for you to talk good things about your coach. And a lot of times at Media Days, and I really like this, a lot of times when the players get up on the big main stage, on the main podium, you hear a lot of stories from the players about their coach and coaches besides football. You hear about their personalities and their antics and how they are as a human in and out of the game of football. And I think that's really cool to hear because the coach isn't going to tell you that about himself because all of these coaches, they're, they're very you know, conscious to who they, what they say and most people aren't going to talk about themselves that way. right? But the players, that's their chance to do that. And I really like hearing about that. You hear about the personal side of these coaches and a lot of it, You hear why these players chose their coach and their school besides the football part. You hear why they chose that coach for his personal reasons. And that, to me, is really, really cool. That is why we have SEC Media Days. That's why 
This is such a great opportunity for the coaches, for the players, for the media, and for the fans. Now, I'll admit, I've never been to media days in Atlanta. I've been to the ones in Birmingham when it was in Hoover, at the Galleria, and at the hotel. I've been to that one a ton, and fan engagement there was very, very good. Very big, lots of fans every single day, lots going on. The coaches and players love it. They go and sign a bunch of autographs, bunch of pictures taken, TV stations love it, right? They're right off a of radio row. In Atlanta, it's going to be a little bit different. And this isn't the first time it's been in Atlanta, but it is a little bit different than what it was in Hoover. But it's still exciting for the fans, whether you're there or you're watching it, or hopefully you're listening to it, right? Hopefully you're listening to the radio and hearing, out, hearing about what's going on over at SEC Media Days. It really gets you pumped up for the upcoming season. It gets you ready to go because it really starts getting you thinking about, okay, what's going to happen this upcoming season? That's why Media Days is so good. It's important. It means something. And no, we may not get just the biggest groundbreaking information you've ever heard but it is important, and it's enjoyable, it's fun, it gets you thinking about football, and at the end of the day, it's a great opportunity for any coach and any player to hype up their own program and get their fans and the media ready for college football season. I'll be there live next week, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 2 to 4 p.m., right here on ESPN 106.7. But I'll be in Atlanta live from Radio Row at SEC Media Days. Really excited for that opportunity. We're going to talk some more about that in the next couple of days, and then we will be there live on Monday for On the Line, live from SEC Media Days. Hey, we're off and running here in hour number one on the Wednesday edition of On the Line Give me a call. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. What do you think about SEC Media Days? How do you, how do you soak it all in? What, is it, what does it mean to you, SEC Media Days? Uh, I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. We got the question of the day on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. A question of the day for you is this. Out of all of the road football games that you have been to for Auburn, so all of the Auburn football road games that you have been to in your entire lifetime, which one was the best? Which best? I mean, yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's the question. Out of all of the road football games you've been to for Auburn, which one was the best to you and why? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. There's been a ton. I know you all have been to a lot of road games. Auburn's been to some interesting ones. Um, It can be in the SEC. It can be outside of the SEC. It could be this decade. It could be from 20, 30 years ago. It doesn't matter to me. What's the best Auburn football road game that you have ever been to and why? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. For me, I'll admit, I've been to a lot more road basketball games than I have football games, but this past year when I went to Penn State, I mean, that was just an unbelievable experience. I mean, it was it was something like, I've never experienced before. It was just a lot different. That was the that's the biggest word, the best word really that I can use for the experience at Penn State. It was just different, right? It wasn't the SEC, but it was still big time college football. Tailgating was everywhere. 
And there, I've never seen as many tailgaters in one place that I have at Penn State. It was unbelievable. But the whole day was just a lot of fun for me. You had college game day there, and then you had the chance, because the game was at night, obviously, so you had the chance to experience the campus during, you know, Penn State's campus during the day. You got to walk around downtown and see all the stuff going on there. Uh, Again, all of the tailgating going on, we walked around a couple of those, uh, knew some people there that were going to the game and at the game and tailgating, all that good stuff. But the Penn State game for me was just unbelievable. I mean, and then, you know, walking to the stadium, you can see their stadium from a mile away. It sits like up on a hill over by itself. It's really, really cool how they have it set up. It's farther, it's far away from everything I'll say that about Penn State everything is so spread out there especially compared to Auburn where everything's on top of each other now Penn State it is very spread out you better be be prepared to walk if you go to Penn State but that was such a cool experience at night the whiteout in Penn State one of the best college atmospheres in all of in all of football and getting to see Auburn where they're all white there and play what was a pretty good game? I know Auburn didn't win, but that was the best road experience for me for football was the Penn State game uh, this past year. So that's my answer. What's your answer? 334-321-1390. I'd love to hear what your best Auburn football road game experience is and why. 334-321-1390. I know there's a ton of good answers. I know a lot of people went to Baton Rouge this past year. I did not. Uh, but I know a bunch of people did, so I'm sure that's on the list for a bunch of you. If you ever been to Tuscaloosa, has that actually been fun? Uh, you can let me know of that. If it's a game from a long time ago that Auburn doesn't normally play, you know, out of conference, something like that, let me know. I'd love to hear from you and what your experience was, why it was the best for you, and if you would go back. That's a big part of it, too. If you went to a place that you had never gone before, would you go back? Why or why not? I think that's important too. 334-321-1390. But like I mentioned, I've been to a lot more road basketball games than I have football games. Uh, I don't know why that is. It's just how it's worked out over the years. I've been to a lot more road basketball games for Auburn than football. Uh, I can't even count how many how many road basketball games I've been to, and I can count on probably one hand the amount of road football games that I've gone to. I would like to go to some more football games on the road. It's just Jordan-Hare does it so good that I just it, it's hard for me to get up and go somewhere else when Jordan-Hare does it so good, especially at night. If you can get Auburn at home at night, it's just a different beast, a different animal. Uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like this season. I think it's going to continue to be just an incredible experience And same thing has become of what was Auburn Arena, now Neville Arena. I mean, the home atmosphere and the home game experience at the arena now is just unbelievable. And no, it's not the biggest. Same thing with Jordan-Hare, but the noise and the the involvement and the engagement of the fans is just unbelievable at Auburn. But when you talk about the basketball games, I've been to a ton of those. Not football, but basketball and I don't know. I'd have to think about that one to pick a favorite for basketball. But for football, it's definitely Penn State. That was a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. I know a bunch of people went to the game. There was a ton of Auburn fans there. Obviously a game that we feel Auburn probably should have won. They definitely could have won that game. I think they should have. They played well enough. And let's just be honest, Penn State was not that good. They're not going to be that good this year either. And I'm excited for the Nittany Lions to come to Jordan-Hare Stadium Uh, We missed out on the night game. We are disappointed in that. But we do get to have Penn State in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So excited to see that game this season. We'll see if 
Uh, we'll see if Jordan Hare can live up to what happened last year at Penn State. What a fantastic uh, just experience that was. The campus was cool. Uh, the whole game day experience was a lot of fun too. And then, of course, the night atmosphere in the game with the student section and the fans and the music and the band. Everything was just really, really cool. The Goodyear blimp was there. That's how I knew it was a big event when I saw the Goodyear blimp for the first time. That was really cool, too. So that is my favorite road experience for Auburn football. But I'd love to hear from you and what your favorite road experience is uh, for Auburn football. And if you have a basketball one, too, sure, you can give me that as well. 334-321-1390. Uh, But as we get out of here, bottom of the hour break here in hour number one, uh, when we come back, we have an updated bracketology. So we're going to talk about that as well. Talk about where they have Auburn basketball and the new bracketology from Joe Lenardi. Yes, it's July. Yes, football season comes first. But if we have some basketball stuff to talk about, I think we should. And that's exactly what we're going to do uh, when we come back. We'll talk about Auburn basketball in the updated bracketology on ESPN from Joe Lenardi, where they have Auburn, where they have the rest of the SEC schools, what to expect. We'll talk some basketball season with Auburn's new players on the roster after they lose a couple to the NBA draft. We'll talk about the new players on this roster, what to expect from Bruce Pearl and the Tigers, how they can bounce back from last year's disappointment in the NCAA tournament. We got a new bracketology out we'll talk about it when we come back you're listening to the wednesday edition of on the line stay tuned we got more coming up you are on the line with jacob goertz on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Hey, I did want to mention that we, I know I've talked about we'll be in SEC Media Days next week. Uh, on the line, my show will be there 2-4. to four. And then Dan Peck, he is the co-host of The Drive. He will be co-hosting with my show 2-4. Uh, to four, And then he'll be calling in for The Drive. But before us, the Max Roundtable, who comes on from 11-2, to two, they will be there as well. So did want to mention that as well. Hey, let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Who I got on line one? Hey, this is Robbie. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing good. How are you? What you got for me? I'm all right, you wanted uh, my favorite uh, away game yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, 1984, I was at the Auburn Florida State game. Okay, how was that? Campbell, and uh, the interesting about that game ended up 42 to 41. Brent Fullwood scores at the very end of the game to win. But there's two things about that game that were the most interesting. One is that uh, Auburn was going into score on about Florida State's 35-yard line, and they run a sweep, they score, and they call holding. Uh huh. And by the time Pat Dye got finished throwing his hat <laughs> at the feet of the referee, we ended up with a third and almost 50. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he, he got We ended up with three personal foul penalties plus holding. Mm. So the second thing about that game, you can Google it, 
Florida State kicked off both halves. Really? Yes. And so Auburn, was did they just get confused, or how'd that go down? Okay, so Auburn uh, uh, got the the kick to begin the the game, mm-hmm. and then in the second half, Florida State had the choice, and their guy got confused and chose to kick. Interesting. Okay, I feel like that and happens so, sometimes, like more than we think. So, but the interesting thing about that was that on that second half kick, Brent Fullwood catches the kickoff, runs up to about midfield, gets hit, fumbles, ball goes straight in the air, and we had a guy named Ed Graham who caught it in the air and ran it the rest of the way for a touchdown. Holy smokes. And you saw all of this live on the road. Yes. The other thing about that game was Doak Campbell Stadium actually had wooden bleachers in the end zone wooden bleachers yes i don't i don't know about that 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 does not sound uh to it that doesn't sound too comfortable the metal bleachers are not fun as it is well they were wooden bleachers and uh take my word for it because i was leaving the game thinking we had lost and ended up standing in that end zone on wooden bleachers with my pregnant wife to watch the very end of the game for, and watch Fullwood score at the very end of the game. That's so crazy. But that sounds like a great experience. That's that's before well, my the, time, but that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, well, the other part of I will not go back <laughs> because that was when Florida State fans were humble and kind of understood picking order, and now they are very, very arrogant. Yeah. And I – I, I wouldn't. I would not want to go back there now. Well, look, right now they don't have a whole lot to be arrogant about. There's not a whole lot going on good with the Florida State football program right now. Trust me, they're still arrogant. Oh I, goodness. I, I have I have in-laws that are FSU graduates. They're going to win the national championship every year. Every <laughs> every year. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like some SEC schools that we know. Exactly. Anyway, wow. I just thought I'd chime yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate show, it. Man. Yeah, I appreciate the call. That sounds like an interesting experience. Thank you for the call. Talking about the question of the day that I uh, introduced back in the last segment, what is your favorite Auburn football road game memory? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Thank you so much. That's a great, great uh, little story there he told back at Florida State. Uh, sitting on wooden bleachers that is horrible wooden bleachers I mean I, look like I said the metal bleachers are as are bad as it is right but I guess one thing about it is the wooden bleachers probably wouldn't get as hot as the metal bleachers right so maybe that's one thing to look at it but uh, who knows I doubt the wood was super treated or taken care of or anything like that but what a crazy uh, story that was he said with his pregnant wife I mean that that's dedication right now. I mean, you got to be, you either got to be a really big Auburn fan or you really love your husband to be a pregnant wife and go to Florida State and watch a crazy game like that. But what a great story. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. Tune in or chime in. I'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390. Whatever your story is on your favorite Auburn football road game experience. It can be from 1984. It can be from last year. It can be anytime. It doesn't matter to me. I'd love to hear from you. 334 321 1390. But here in this segment, uh, a couple of days ago, the newest bracketology came out on ESPN. And just a reminder of what bracketology is, what it means, all of that. 
this is what okay so it's joe lenardi right he is the one who who does bracketology he releases his his bracket he updates it in the off season i think he updates it probably like once a month uh something like that maybe every few weeks but what his bracketology is it's what he is predicting the bracket to look like as of right now this is not his predictions this is what he thinks the committee would do if it were to be right now or he you know what they will do when it comes to March he makes his bracketology based off of what he thinks the committee will do this is not his actual like personal opinion on what he personally thinks the bracket's going to look like but it is it's you know it's looking at the teams as they stand right now looking at their schedule coming up this year and all of that so uh, I think it's it's fun to look at, right? It's still July, so we still have a long time to go before college basketball, A, before college basketball starts, but B, before college basketball is in March when we're looking at a, uh, a selection Sunday and looking at the bracket and March Madness gets underway. So we're a long ways away from that, but I did want to look at it, see where Auburn has fallen uh, or, or you know, see where they're sitting at right now along with some of the other SEC schools around the country and really just want to look at what to expect from the SEC this season in basketball because lots of football talk going on right now. But basketball is still right there. There's still a ton of talent in the SEC with basketball. I think it's still going to continue to be one of the best conferences in the the entire country of the SEC and college basketball. So looking at the number one seeds as it stands right now in bracketology, again, this was updated uh, yesterday. So this came out yesterday from Joe Lenardi, a little updated bracketology. You have Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston, and Kentucky as the one seeds as it stands right now. So an SEC school with Kentucky at that one line. I feel like at some point during the offseason or during the season, Kentucky is always on that number one line when it comes to bracketology. So uh, that's just expected. John Calipari and Kentucky have done a fantastic job over the years. Uh, They lose talent to the NBA every single year, and yet – he finds more talent somewhere and continues to, to have good teams. So they are sitting at the one line as it stands right now. But just kind of looking around the SEC in this latest bracketology for college basketball, uh, when you look in the West, there's not a single SEC school over there. So take that for, for what it is. Not too sure if that's good or bad. But then you start looking at some of the other uh, brackets here in the one big bracket. In the East, the first SEC team is Texas A&M at the nine seed. Of course, A&M got left out of bracketology and uh, or got left out of the bracket last year during March Madness. <clears throat> Excuse me, got left out of bracketology in the bracket last year. Excuse me, sorry. Um, Texas A&M, they got left out of the bracket last year, of course, and were very, very upset. Was very salty about that, as they should have been. I think A&M deserved to have a spot in March Madness last year but I think they will be improved this year even more than what they were at the end of the season last year you can expect Texas A&M they're not going to be just over the top fantastic but they are going to be a solid team in the SEC Joe Lenardi has them as a nine seed right now in bracketology Uh, they'd be playing Michigan State and then if they won that probably North Carolina so that's a tough looking bracket right there you have Arkansas they've held steady at the three line uh, the last couple of bracketologies we have looked at here on on the line they are still a three seed I see that as a perfect spot for them could be even higher for this Arkansas Razorback team 
the big question for this team, it's not going to be coaching and it's not going to be talent. We know Eric Musselman's a fantastic coach at Arkansas. We also know that the talent on this Arkansas team is some of the best in the entire country. They have three guys who will be starting for them that are in the top 20. It could even be the top 15, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. At least the top 20 uh, recruits coming into their, this next class. So top three of their or starting five are going to be in the top 20 recruits of the entire country. So Arkansas has the talent. There's no doubt about it. They have the coaching with Eric Musselman. The big question mark for me with Arkansas basketball coming up this year will be how long does it take for this team to gel together and figure it out with the young guys on the team? That's going to be the big question mark for me when it comes to Arkansas is how long does it take for them to grow up a little bit? And I'm not saying that against them or in a bad way to them at all, but when you have such young players and such young guys trying to play with each other for the first time, it takes a little bit to get gelled and figure out how to play college basketball. There's a big difference between playing high school ball and playing college basketball, right? There's a major, major difference. It's the same thing when you go from college to the NBA. There's an adjustment period, and I think that's what Arkansas is going to find early on in the season. But as the conference schedule gets cranked up in January, I think Arkansas is really going to be dangerous in the SEC and whoever they have to play in the NCAA tournament. I think the three spot is perfect. I could see them climbing up to a two, maybe not all the way to the one seed, but I think anywhere from a, a five to a two seed for Arkansas would be would be legit. I think that sounds realistic for them this year, and I, I'm worried about Arkansas. I'll be honest. They have so much talent, but the big question mark will be how long does it take for them to gel together, come together, and figure out how to play as a team before they really start putting a hurting on some people. You continue to look uh, in the bracket, not an SEC team, but they will be in a couple of years. Texas at the two spot. Oklahoma was a 10 seed over in the West, uh, but Texas as a two seed right now in Joe Lenardi's updated bracketology for the 2022-2023 college basketball season. Texas, they've got some really, really good talent on the team. They continue to build that program and as of right now, they're a two seed. I think that's probably a little high just because I don't really know what to expect from them. I know they have a ton of talent and they were good last year, but what can they do this upcoming season with the talent and the recruiting class that they have brought in? I think the two seed's a little high for Texas, but you, you just never really know. It is the Longhorns. You never truly know what's going to happen. But looking at some more schools around the SEC, we already talked about Kentucky being the number one seed in the South as of right now in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Looking at some other SEC schools, Alabama has dropped down to the sixth seed line in that south region of the bracket. Look, we know the case with Alabama basketball. They have some skill and talent. They have some shooters. They lost some guys, and now can they reload? And can they figure out how to put it together as a team? That's the big thing for me. Can they put it together as a team? We know they have good individual players, and they have a great coach. They really do. But we've seen over the past couple of years, Alabama can just never put it together for an extended amount of time. And we see them win games. They win the big games, and sometimes they'll scrape by and go on little runs. But they can never just come out and be a dominant team for a long period of time. And if they find a way to do that, their program will take the next step. I promise you that. Alabama sitting at a six seed right now, uh, continuing on with some SEC schools. You have Florida as a 10 seed in that south region as well. 
And then a couple of other SEC schools, uh, Auburn, uh, they are at a four seed. They've been pretty steady at the four line uh, the last couple of times. Joe Lenardi has come out with this. Auburn has a four seed playing UC Santa Barbara right now, and then they would play the winner of San Diego State and UAB. Again, it's July. I understand that, but I like to just look at the bracketology, see what we're looking at right now for the college basketball season because I know we're in the state of Alabama, and I know, and I know football is 52 days away. But with Auburn and Alabama becoming good in basketball, we are a basketball state too now. And we can start looking at it early instead of, oh yeah, it's basketball season. It's already started in, in December, right? It, we don't have to do that anymore. We can look at it early and get excited about it, even with football on the rise too, and on the prowl, I should say. But Auburn has a four seed right now in bracketology. I think that's a great spot because that gives Auburn a little room to grow a little bit. I don't see them becoming a one seed. They have a ton of talent. They can be a lot better. I think they will be by the end of the year, uh, this upcoming year, than they were last year. I think there's a lot more balanced talent, and I think the guards are really going to play an important role on this team for Auburn. You have a couple of transfers that have come in, but as the four seed, Auburn, that gives you a little room. If you're the four seed now in bracketology, yeah, you may slide down to like the six or seven line, but you also have room to grow to that three, four, or that three, two, possibly even one seed line come middle of March. But I think the four is perfect for Auburn. I see them probably being a three uh, come, come March for bracketology in the bracket and March Madness. But Auburn, Auburn basketball, it's a great time to be a fan. There's a lot of talent. Bruce Pearl is one of the best coaches in the country, and it's a great time to be an Auburn fan. And let's head to the break. We got one more before we get out of here for hour number one. Stay tuned. We'll wrap it up. Hey, question of the day if you didn't hear it. What is your best Auburn football road game experience in your lifetime and why? 334-321-1390. Let me know. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Wrapping up this first hour before we come back at 3 o'clock for hour number two. Well, the Atlanta Braves had a big-time series against the New York Mets. Game three was today. Uh, Of course, they lost game one, and then... Last night, they turn around and they win game two. The Braves were able to take the second game of the series against the New York Mets after a uh, just a really solid outing all around for the Braves last night. Uh, they win the game 4-1. to one. Uh, Each team had five hits, but the Braves were able to, to obviously win the game 4-1, to one, and they evened up the series. But then today, the final game, the first pitch was at like 11.30 this morning. I don't know what the reason for that was, uh, but... The Braves and the Mets played the series finale this morning. It wrapped up about, I don't know, about 30 minutes ago or so. And unfortunately, the Braves were unable to win. They lose 7-3. to three. Both teams had eight hits, and the Braves had an error. Uh, Charlie Morton gets the loss. He's 5-4 and four this season with a 4-4-5 ERA. And uh, Bassett for the, for the Mets gets the win. So the Braves dropped the series against the Mets at home 1-2, uh, but they didn't get swept, which is what you want to see. You, you wish the Braves could have won that series at home against their division rival. But as it stands right now, if you go and look at the standings, uh, no pun intended on that, but as it, you know, when you look at it right now in the National League East after the series, the Braves, they lose one game 
in the in the standings. They were a game and a half back going into the series, and now they're two and a half games back of the New York Mets. So you wanted them to win that series, especially being at home, but it's not the end of the world. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played for this Atlanta Braves team. And, you know, you, you drop two or three against the Mets. You're still only two and a half games back against the New York Mets. And you have a series now against the Washington Nationals. You're at Washington Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then the All-Star break will be Monday, Tuesday, a couple of days probably after that. But the Home Run Derby is on Monday. And by the way, you can tune into the Home Run Derby right here on ESPN 106.7 on Monday. I believe it's at 7 o'clock, so you can tune in for that. And then the All-Star Game is Tuesday night at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 106.7. So you can tune in for both of those. Of course, Ronald Acuna Jr., he is in the Home Run Derby. He'll be participating in that, so you can listen to that right here on ESPN 106.7. And then the All-Star Game on ESPN Radio, right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune in for that Monday Home Run Derby. Tuesday night is the All-Star Game. But the Braves have their series against Washington uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on the road. And again, those are very winnable games. Before this Mets series, the Braves swept Washington at home 12-2, 4-3, and 4-3. So again, more games for the Braves in their division to get some wins. And, you know, you hate to see that they lose to the Mets, but the Braves are in a fine spot. They really are. The Braves are going to be just fine. They're going to catch the Mets. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The Mets are going to blow it at some point. People don't think so, but I do. I know the New York Mets, and I know the Atlanta Braves. They're going to be just fine. Hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, A little bit of cloudy out there. Apparently, the rain is coming. I keep getting updates on my phone that the rain is coming. So, uh, supposed to be some thunderstorms, maybe something like that. Hopefully, it'll miss us. That's the hope, but uh, not too sure. But plan on the rain. That's all I can tell you. Plan on rain and thunderstorms, and maybe it'll miss us. But hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hey, if you missed any of hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I'll upload that immediately following today's show. I go in, cut out all the commercials, and you can listen to it commercial-free wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open. 
Give me a call, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to me. Anything on your mind in the sports world, if you want to preview and talk about SEC Media Days next week, uh, if you want to answer question of the day, anything else you want to talk about, give me a call, 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to me. I'll get you on the air. You can be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. But we'll start hour number two, like we always do, with making headlines. Here on Wednesday, July 13th, 2022, of course, as we always do, we have the countdown to college football. We are 52 days away from Auburn kicking off the 2022 season on September 3rd. Friday will be the 50-day mark. I know I've been talking about getting to the 50 days, and once we do that, I'm telling you, it's going to go by extremely quick. It feels like we were just on 75. It feels like we were just on 100, right? It feels like we were just there yesterday or last week, right? It's so crazy how fast time flies. It's been extremely busy for me uh, here at the station and and, in my office and everything, just getting ready for SEC Media Days next week. And speaking of that, if you have missed the announcement, next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, live in Atlanta from SEC Media Days, we're going to have right here on ESPN 106.7, we will have hours and hours and hours of nonstop live coverage from SEC Media Days. From 11 to 2, it'll be the Max Roundtable. They come on right before me. My show on the line, 2 to 4, I will be on live from SEC Media Days. And then it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. Bill will be here in Auburn. Dan will actually be with me on the line. Uh, He'll be co-hosting my show from 2 to 4, and then he'll be calling in, connecting, and doing The Drive from there as well. So lots of great content from SEC Media Days next week, live on Radio Row uh, from Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame. So lots of great stuff. We'll be getting all types of sound bites and interviews and hopefully asking a bunch of questions and getting some guests on the show. I'm in the works to get some big names on my show. Uh, We'll all have some great audio for you. Max Roundtable on the line and the drive. So make sure you tune in all next week. We're all so excited to be able to do that from SEC Media Days. Uh, Just having so much good content for you next week from SEC Media Days. But We are just a few days away, and again, just looking to have a bunch of of audio. We'll have audio from the main press room where coaches and players get up on the main podium and answer questions and talk about all of the, you know all of the stuff coming up about the upcoming season and, and what the media asks them and talking about the program and the coaches and all of that good stuff the off season last year everything that the players and coaches talk about we'll have access to to the audio for that and so the plan will be uh, if we hear something interesting we will you know write it down we'll make sure to play it on the show and make sure that you get to hear it if it's something important that a coach or player says we'll have access to all of that And then, of course, I'll be running around trying to get interviews and audio from some people, whether it's coaches and players or it's other media personalities, whoever it may be, uh, just trying to get some audio and and just great content for you, the listener. So I'm really excited to do that. So it's going to be a busy week next week in Atlanta. It's been a busy week this week trying to get everything ready for that. 
and just making sure everything's taken care of on that end and making sure everything's taken care of here at the office and, and just a lot's going on uh, for me. So it's been very busy, but also very, very blessed and thankful to be able to have the opportunities that I do. But SEC Media Days next week in Atlanta, right here on ESPN 106.7. Max Roundtable 11-2, to two, on the line 2-4, to four, and the drive from 4-6. to six. We're going to have so much covered for you next week over there. But here in making headlines on Wednesday, July 13th, 2022, I've been talking about the optimism for this Auburn football program sort of being on the rise. But over the last day or two, really, there's been some not-so-optimistic stuff coming out about Auburn uh, from national media and, and other stuff like that. There's people that are they're still convinced that Brian Harson is destined to fail. They're still convinced that Auburn just can't do it this year. The schedule's too hard. The team's not good enough. And it's going to be a disaster this year is what a lot of people are still saying. And you know what? If that's how you think, that's totally fine. You may, I mean, you're entitled to what you think. And if you have your reasons, you have your reasons. Same way that I have my reasons that I think Auburn's going to be good this year. And I think Auburn's going to surprise people. There's more talent on this team than I think people realize. And that's how I feel about it. But I mean, you don't have to agree with me whatsoever. That's totally fine. But it's going to be weird, you know, right? We're going to have SEC Media Days next week. There's going to be a lot of conversation around Brian Harson, how the season ended last year, how this season really could be, realistically, it could be his last season. There's people talking that way that they truly believe that Brian Harson is not going to win this year, that Auburn's going to fire him, and they're going to be back to square one. And it's very possible. It is absolutely possible that that is the case. I don't think it will be, but I'm, ex- I'm interested to see how he's going to respond to those types of questions next week at Media Days because it's going to happen, right? They're, those types of questions are going to be asked, and they should, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't ask those type of questions. They should be asked, but... I'm interested to see how he responds, how the players who are going with him take Bigsby, Derek Hall, and John Samuel Shanker. I'm interested to see how they will respond to those types of questions and comments next week when they're at the podium and on TV, Radio Row, wherever it may be. I I just... I'm not buying into it, man. I think Auburn's going to be good. I really do. People ask me what I expect, and that's exactly what I expect. I expect eight wins, and I think there's some talent. There's going to be close games. Auburn's going to upset some people, and it's going to be a good year. That's what I expect. But not everybody feels that way, and that's okay. I think that will continue to be the, the narrative as we get closer and closer to college football season. I would like to think there would be more positivity than negativity going into the season, but only time's going to tell. We have 52 days until we get there. Moving on and making headlines, of course, the first couple of games for Jabari Smith in the NBA Summer League were not all of that. We talked about his offensive struggles uh, in his first couple of games, but the other night against the Spurs, the youngster started to figure it out a little bit, and we knew he would, right? I said not to worry. He would figure it out. It is the Summer League, so you have to take that with a grain of salt, but he did start to figure it out a little bit, and it was good to see from the youngster Jabari Smith as the uh, as the Houston Rockets. Let's see, what day was that on? Trying to find it. I think it was on Monday. Yeah, I think it was on Monday. Let's look at it right here. Jabari Smith, he started to figure it out a little bit. Of course, his first two games, he had 10 points and 12 points. Uh, didn't shoot the ball. He had one game where he shot 5 of 19 from the field. Not what you're looking for from Jabari Smith. But how about this? On Monday night, when the Rockets played the Spurs, Jabari went 6 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from deep, 
He had four or five from the free throw line. He had four offensive rebounds, five defensive rebounds, a total of nine. One assist, two steals, one block, had a couple of turnovers, a few fouls, but he had 19 points. Jabari Smith started to figure it out, and he looked good doing it. He kept taking the same style of shots, but he just started to make them. That's what we know Jabari Smith can do, is take the tough shots and make the tough shots. We know how good Jabari Smith is with the basketball in his hands, and after the first game, that was my concern was, Jabari Smith is not getting the basketball enough. Then in the next couple of games, it was, well, he's taking the shots that he can make. He just hasn't started to click yet on the offensive end. But we knew it was coming. I said that. I said, look, it's going to happen. He's too good to not have it all come together and click for him. Well, it's starting to do that right now. He had 19 points on 50% shooting, uh, 60% from the three-point line. You can't ask for much better than that from the big fella. So, Really excited to see what Jabari Smith will do. This Houston Rockets team is going to be really good, folks. I mean, they have some talent. Now, whether they do anything with it or not, that's still my concern. That is still my concern. If you remember, I talked about Jabari, and I didn't want him to go to the Rockets because they haven't done anything with any talent that I've seen. But they have some talent right now, let me tell you that. They got Tari Eason from LSU. He never played, but he was so he's uh, just a beast right now. You have Jabari Smith and Ty Ty Washington those are three guys that, that the Rockets drafted. I mean, they're going to be so good if they are able to put their talent together and actually do something with it. I hope they can. I want to be wrong. I really do. I want to be wrong, and I want the Rockets to be good with Jabari Smith and because of Jabari Smith. But we're going to have to wait and see. But he's starting to figure it out a little bit. He's, he's finding his shot, finding his rhythm, but it's because he's doing everything else right. That's what's good about Jabari Smith. You drafted a guy, if you're the Houston Rockets, you drafted a guy, he he is gifted offensively. There's no doubt about it. He is gifted offensively, but he does everything else right to where if he's not doing so good on offense, he makes up for it doing everything else. He plays stellar defense. He gives effort, more effort than most, and he hustles, right? He's going to do, and he rebounds, he passes the ball, he does everything right, So if he's struggling on the offensive side, shooting the basketball, you can't be mad at him because he's doing everything else right. And this defense for Houston is going to be really solid because of those young core guys on this team. I think Jabari has a really good chance to do great things. I hope it is with Houston because I don't want him to have to be bounced around and traded and played on and playing on bad teams. That just ruins a career early on. I would like to see the Rockets build up with him and him become the face of the franchise. How cool would that be? right? I think that would be really, really cool if Jabari Smith has that opportunity. He finally started to figure it out in the summer league. They've got a few games left, and then we'll get to see him in the regular season come October. But Jabari Smith in his last game, 6 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. He had 4 of 5 from the free throw line. He had 9 rebounds, 19 points in all. 28 and a half minutes played. I mean, just a fantastic kid. What a great talent. He is going to be just fine. Moving on and making headlines. 
The Braves lose the series against the New York Mets. They did win last night. They won 4-1 to last night. They tied up the series one apiece with the New York Mets in a three-game series in Atlanta. But today, the series finale was at like 11.30 for some reason. Uh, I know the Braves have to travel, so maybe that was the reason. Uh, and I'm sure New York is going somewhere else. So I'm sure that's what the reason was, teams having to travel. But it was like an 11.30 first pitch, and the Braves fall short against the Mets. They dropped the series uh, two games to one again it's still July so there's a lot of baseball left but the Braves did lose the series seven or they lost the game seven to three they lose the series two to one the Braves now have to travel to Washington they'll take on a four game series uh, against the Washington Nationals and overall it's not a bad series for the Braves you play in the first game against uh, Scherzer who comes out and has a fantastic outing and you just can't get it going offensively you come back and win it last night and then you lose an early game today seven to three against the Mets who hit a couple um, you know they hit a couple home runs Lindor had a three-run shot so that pretty much did it for you right there if you're the New York Mets but if you're for the Braves and you're looking at this you know you've got uh, you're looking at the standings and after all is said and done the Braves only lost one game in the standings in the NL East. So you're not too worried about it. Obviously, you would have liked to have seen the Braves win the series, but they only lose one game in the standings. You're still only two and a half games back from the Mets, and you're going to play a four-game series against a Washington team that you just swept in the series before. So I think the Braves are going to be just fine. You have the Nationals, and then uh, you have the All-Star break coming up, and the Braves are... You know, they'll get a little bit of a break there. You have Ronald Acuna in the Home Run Derby. You've got the MLB All-Star Game. All of that, by the way, you can listen to the Home Run Derby live on Monday evening right here on ESPN 106.7 at 7 o'clock. And then Tuesday night, you can listen to the MLB All-Star Game again right here on ESPN 106.7 at 7 o'clock. So make sure you tune in for that. That'll be exciting uh, to listen to all of that action going on. Uh, right here on ESPN 106.7 during the MLB All-Star break. But if you look ahead at the schedule for the Braves after this Washington National Series, that will go into uh, the All-Star break. And you'll be, you know, you basically be halfway through. And then after that, you have the Angels at home and then you go to the Phillies. So again, some winnable games for the Braves. That's what's exciting is you're in the I would say the weaker part of your schedule, you have the Angels, the Phillies, the Diamondbacks, and the Phillies again before you play a five-game series at New York at the beginning of August. That's a tough series. But, I mean, and looking at the schedule, it gets tougher as the year goes on, but there's still winnable games for the Braves. So I'm excited. Don't be too worried about it. They dropped the series against the Mets. They're still only two and a half games back in the division. And it's Wednesday, so speaking of baseball, we have our Wednesday MLB update. So we're going to go through uh, the standings, kind of looking at what's going on around baseball. We're going to talk about a division that has all of their teams at or above 500 in Major League Baseball right now. I want you to think about that. All five teams in this division I'm going to talk about in just a second, all of them are at or above 500 I mean, that's just insane. It has come out of nowhere, too. This division was in the trash about a month ago, and they have just come out of nowhere and really put it on. Every single team is playing really good baseball right now. We're going to talk about that right now. Looking at the American League, it's the American League East. Every team in this division is at or above 500, which means they're all winning baseball teams right now, folks. You look at it top to bottom, you have the New York Yankees. Of course, they are just 
blowing everybody away right now. 61-26. and 26. Just a fantastic record so far. They have a 14-game lead in the American League East. Tampa Bay right be- or not right behind them, but Tampa Bay in second at 47 and 40. They are 14 games back. The Boston Red Sox 47 and 41 at 14 and a half games back. You have the Toronto Blue Jays 46 and 42 and the Baltimore Orioles back from the dead, a team that people always write off because they're never any good. And yet here they are. They've battled back and they are 44 and 44. They sit right at 500 in the division. Or for the season, they're at the bottom of the division, but hey, they're a 500 baseball club. They're winning games and they've been playing good baseball as of late. That's so cool to see this American League East division, everybody at or above 500. You just don't see that very often. Looking in the American League Central, the Minnesota Twins sit atop that, followed by the Cleveland Guardians, Chicago White Sox, Detroit Tigers, and the Kansas City Royals. You look at the West, it's the Houston Astros and everybody else. They sit at 57-29, and 29, followed by Seattle, the Texas Rangers, the Los Angeles Angels, and the Oakland Athletics, who are way back there at 30-59. and 59. Moving on to the National League, of course, we talked about the National League East, the New York Mets on top um, at 55-34, and 34. the Braves right behind them two and a half games back 53 and 37 you have the Phillies the Marlins and then the Nationals are behind them the Phillies are eight and a half games back so they're six games back from the Braves so the Braves have to be careful you can't let up just because you're two and a half games back from the Mets you got the Phillies who if they turn it on a little bit can make up some ground uh, in a hurry in that National League East Two more divisions here, and then we'll wrap up making headlines. You've got the National League Central. It's the Milwaukee Brewers on top at 49-39. and 39. And closing in slowly but surely, the St. Louis Cardinals, who are only two games back. Pittsburgh, 11 games back. And then Chicago and Cincinnati are 14-and-a-half and 15-and-a-half games back. And then the West, the National League West, a division that I thought was the best in baseball, but has sort of started to separate itself a little bit. The Dodgers on top, 56-30. and 30. The Padres are 7-and-a-half games back at the second place spot at 50 and 39 and then the Giants 12 games back the Rockies 18 and the Diamondbacks are also 18 games back as well that is your MLB Wednesday update as we go into one more series before the all-star break we'll be halfway through the season lots of baseball still to be played so I mean these standings could definitely shake up but there's some there's some uh, some separation in a lot of these divisions we'll see how the rest of the season goes as we enter the MLB all-star break Well, that's it for Making Headlines here on Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. We're off and running here in hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Question of the day. I already had a phone call about it. I'd love to have some more. Here it is. What is your best Auburn football road game experience in your lifetime? Any road game that you've been to for Auburn football, where did you go? Why was it your best experience? And will you be back I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. We'll talk about that question of the day on the other side of this break. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. What is the best road Auburn football game you've ever been to? It could be a good experience, 
Uh, it could be a win or a loss, whatever it may be. What was the best Auburn football road experience that you have ever been to in your lifetime? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. We had a caller back in hour number one talk about uh, his trip to Florida State back in the, I think he said 1984, so big time. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a historic game there. He talked about Auburn coming back and winning. He was sitting on wooden bleachers with his pregnant wife. I mean, all kinds of stuff in that story. It was a fantastic time, though. I really enjoyed listening to that. I talked about my best road football game experience for Auburn was the Penn State game last year. And it was the Penn State game because of just how historic it is to go to Penn State in the night game and a whiteout. ESPN was there. Like, the whole nine yards college game day was there. I mean, it was the game that week, and I had the chance to go. I had a really good friend uh, that she went to Penn State and so got to go up there with some friends and, and watch the game and experience the whole Penn State atmosphere of the college town and and the, the campus and, and college game day, which that wasn't my first time going to college game day, but it was cool to go to the road college game day. I'd been a couple of times where it's been here at Auburn, but I've never gotten to go to the road experience of college game day and then walk around campus all day, tailgate a little bit. There's so many tailgaters there. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. It's like an entire city uh, of tailgaters there at Penn State, and they're everywhere. They're spread out everywhere. We walked about 50 miles that day on Saturday, and then the stadium. It just looks so cool. You can see it from so far away. It's just up there on its own, and you can see it from a mile away. you got to walk a few miles to get there, it seems like. But once you do get there, super old, historic. You go inside, it's just super, super neat. And then the sun goes down, the the crowd gets going, the students get loud and, and get crazy, the band came out. I mean, the whole nine yards. Penn State was just a, an unbelievable experience. It was loud. Don't get me wrong. It was very loud. It, it was deafening, but it wasn't the loudest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I've heard Jordan Hare much louder. I'll be, I'm being fully honest. I'm not, there's no bias there whatsoever. I've heard Jordan Hare much louder than I heard Penn State last year, but the Penn State game was still a lot of fun, and it was still very loud, cool experience. We had great seats. Uh, I mean, great seats. We paid some money for them, but we had some fantastic seats. Lots of Auburn fans there. We got to experience Tiger Walk uh, on the road, which is really cool to see. So just a great experience. That would be mine. My The best road football game I've been to for Auburn was Penn State last year. I think a lot of people would probably put that on their list. I think a lot of people, if you went to Baton Rouge last year, that'd be a great visit as well. Uh, I've never been to I've never been to Tuscaloosa for a football game. I've been to a few basketball games and some other sporting events over there, but I've never actually been to a football game in Tuscaloosa. I've never been to Gainesville. Uh, there's a lot of places I've never been for football, and I really do want to start going to some more road games for football, especially now that I'm not in school, but I do have work, so you know you got to do what you got to do. But I would like to start going to some. But if you've been to some, what's your favorite road? Auburn football game experience. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. I know there's some legendary games on the road for Auburn over the years. You know, if you were at Florida back then, I mean, all of those games on the road, there's so many good ones. If you were at the 2010 Iron Bowl, the Camback, what a great game that was. If you were there, I'd love to hear that. That'd be a great story to have. Uh, just, I, I just thought of it today. I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Mine is the Penn State game. And like I said, too, I've been to a lot more road basketball games than I have football games. Uh, I don't know why that is, but... 
over the last few years, my dad and I and some of our friends have made it a yearly trip to go and take a road trip to an Auburn basketball game in the SEC. And so on those trips, we've been to uh, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Tennessee. I've been to Alabama. Uh, I think that's – th- we just started it a few years ago, but we've been to a lot of uh, tournament games and stuff too. We went to Nashville for the SEC tournament. Uh, we went to the Elite Eight in Kansas City a couple of years ago when Auburn made it to the Final Four. But I've been to a lot more road basketball games than I have football games, and I want to get some more road games under my belt for Auburn football. But that's the question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Uh, we're about to get to our bottom of the hour break. And we got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Uh, we're going to have the interview with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. I talked to him uh, on Monday. We're going to have that interview coming up on the other side of this break. 30 more minutes left in the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. We got the interview with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network coming up. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Hey, on Monday, I talked to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We talked about everything going on uh, with Auburn Athletics. We talked some basketball, football, and previewing SEC Media Days. It was a great conversation. Good buddy of mine, Jacob Hillman, with the Auburn Sports Network. So I'm going to play that for you here in case you missed it. Sit back, relax, my interview with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. It's been a couple of weeks, but we got Jacob Hillman back from the Auburn Sports Network Hillman, we got so much to talk about, man. Let's jump into it. First of all, we were talking about it just a second ago off the air, but you went to a NASCAR race over the weekend, your first time. How was that? Yeah, it was it was very interesting and just a different experience than your typical sporting event. I kind of had an idea of what to expect going into it, but overall it was a really cool experience. Chase Elliott got the win in his home state, and uh, obviously the, 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 the crowd there loved that, so... Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, getting to experience that for the first time. Yeah, I've I've never been to a NASCAR race, and I'll admit I don't watch a ton of NASCAR. Every now and then you'll see it on a Sunday afternoon or something, maybe flip it on, fall asleep, take a nap type of thing. But, but <laughs> you know, I've never been. I would like to go. What would you – I mean, can you even compare it to a football game, or is it just something completely different? Completely different. I mean, that, I, I think the tailgating aspect, uh, oh, that's gosh. similar. You, you could you could spend a whole day uh, doing that and just having a good time uh, before the NASCAR race. I think something really cool they also do is have those concert series or whatever at the, oh, at, yeah. at the races before. So that, that's kind of a cool way they uh, make it different where it's not just racing. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I've never been. I'd like to go, but I saw, you know, obviously we're, we're buddies outside of this and we're keeping up with each other. So I saw you were doing that, so that's really cool. But we've got a lot of Auburn stuff to talk about, talking to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Let's jump into it. I've been talking a lot about Auburn basketball players in the NBA. Of course, the NBA Summer League going on right now. And the big thing that I'm trying to remind people is this is the NBA Summer League. So we cannot get too 
into it, right? We we can we can look at it and evaluate it, but we cannot over-evaluate and over analyze things because this is the NBA Summer League, right? But when you're looking at players like Jabari Smith, he's two games into the NBA Summer League. What have been your impressions so far of the youngster Jabari Smith? Yeah, I think obviously the one thing that he's uh, he struggled with is just the scoring aspect. Uh, he, I mean, uh, statistically, it's not been the prettiest thing in the world, but I, I'll look at the game that the Thunder won and how he was doing everything but scoring. He, he struggled to uh, find his shot, and I think you know in the first game against the uh, the Magic, it was a matter of him. Everyone was talking about him not getting the ball, and I, I do think that was kind of a big issue there. That was not the issue in game two. I mean, uh, like I said, the shooting statistics weren't good. Five for nineteen. That's not what he did at Auburn. Two for nine from three. That was way out of character. But yeah, look the fact he had nine rebounds, he had four steals and three blocks. Uh, he's also starting to figure out uh, th- that game against the Magic. I thought he was really aggressive on defense and. He kind of took a few minutes to adjust to how he had to play defensively, and I think he did a better job uh, against the Thunder, and that was against uh, the number two overall pick in Chet Holmgren, and I really like that. They matched him up with him pretty much the entire game, and he was also able to guard other positions on the floor uh, against the Thunder. But, yeah, it, the scoring is something that it's going to be interesting to see how that comes along because uh, I think it could take some time. Uh, we remember at the beginning of Auburn season last year, he wasn't – doing anything too crazy and uh, uh, really anything special until that Thanksgiving tournament in the Bahamas. So uh, I could see it being a similar type of deal uh, in his rookie season. And obviously, this is the NBA versus college basketball. It might take a little bit longer. But, hey, as long as he's out there uh, grabbing rebounds, playing great defense, then he's going to be on the floor starting and uh, getting a lot of minutes. Which is exactly what his Houston Rockets coaches have been saying. He's playing good defense, grabbing rebounds, and and putting in the effort. They want to see that more than shooting 30 times and making half of them. They want to see the effort plays because the offense will come. They know that with Jabari Smith. And Hillman, we saw a couple of times, I'm glad you brought this up, during his time at Auburn where he had some games where he did not shoot the basketball well. How did we see him adjust during his time at Auburn that can help him in the NBA? Well, I think part of it is continuing to shoot, and that's why it's good that he's going to keep getting these minutes. Now, of course, there there does come a point where, all right, you do need to stop shooting if you're just not making anything or it's not your night. But it felt like at times that at Auburn he was able just to shoot out of it. And it was kind of it's kind of something that you don't know if it's going to work in the NBA, but I, I, look, I, mean, I look at the Kentucky game uh, this past year where uh, Smith wasn't doing much offensively in the first half, but then in the second half he hit several dagger mid-range shots. And that mid-range shot is something that I think he needs to have consistently uh, in his arsenal in the NBA. I think if he has that, then it's going to really open things up for the three-point shot. Uh, they'll have to respect that mid-range shot. So uh, as long as he figures out that, uh, that mid-range uh, sooner rather than later, then I think the scoring will all come together. And also another thing is – he needs to figure out a left hand. I think we saw it against the Magic. Uh, he's, his first basket was that drive on mm-hmm. Paulo Bencaro, uh with the right hand. He tried it again just a few possessions later, and it did not work. Bancaro blocked it off the glass. And uh, I think if he uses his left hand, he's going to be able to score that layup. So uh, I want to see him develop a left hand uh, before this upcoming season's over, or at least before his sophomore year. 
Well, there's no doubt that going into the draft, if there was something that we wanted to see more of from Jabari Smith, it was the ball handling and the ability to put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack. I would like to see some more of that as well. But us knowing Auburn basketball and Auburn basketball fans in general, knowing Jabari so well, and I think the Houston Rockets as well, I don't think that there's a major, major concern with Jabari's offense, but if this is a trend that continues throughout, you know, halfway through the NBA season, the entire NBA season, maybe something for concern, but he's too good offensively, in my opinion, for that to be a concern. Speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, I'm sure you saw it last night, my friend, JT Thor for Charlotte hit the game winner in double overtime of the NBA Summer League. What a shot. I mean, how about that? And Someone that JT Thor, he was he didn't play a ton last year for the Hornets. You know, he's so young and he's a second round pick after uh, his freshman year at Auburn, and that was obviously the COVID season, not not Auburn's best season in the last several years by any stretch. But you you could tell when he was at Auburn that he he had the potential to be a really good NBA player. He's got the athleticism, and he he, he looks a lot bigger than he did even last year in his rookie season. So I think that's something that's helping him come along. Uh, but last night, hitting two threes, including that uh, that sudden death game winner. I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's summer league, so who cares? But it was just something cool to see because, I mean, he wasn't talked about a lot as it comes to uh, Auburn pro basketball players last year. It was a lot of Chumo Okiki coming back from his injury, uh, Sharif Cooper getting some minutes with the Hawks, and uh, Isaac Okoro coming along as a great defensive player for the Cavaliers. You never know. This Hornets team, uh, they, they weren't the best last year, but they've got a great core. Uh, with Lamelo Ball, so I could see JT Thor his his uh, his role expanding and getting some minutes during the regular season. I'm glad you brought up Chuma Okiki. That's one I forgot to mention today. I've been kind of <laughs> talking about that because I was talking about JT Thor being one of those Auburn players that. He's a forgotten star that played at Auburn. You don't yeah. really think about him a whole lot until he puts himself in the headlines like this. And I guess Chuma's the same way, I guess, with injuries and stuff like that. I forgot Chuma Okiki today. So, you know, if you yelled at me over the radio, I apologize. But what, what you know, in your opinion, I, I guess, what's the reason? Why do you think JT Thor sometimes gets overlooked? Because he is so good. But why do you think he gets overlooked at times? I think it's as simple as the year he played here at Auburn. It was a COVID year. So think about it. The only, I mean, really only students and very few students got to watch him in person. Right. Uh, and the limited amount of season ticket holders that were there. And then I, I guess also, like I said, that, that season wasn't uh, wasn't up to Auburn standards that year with the postseason ban and uh, Sharif Cooper not being able to play until uh, January. Just it, it, nothing really worked out that year. And uh, it was a talented team. And you see a lot of those guys that were freshmen or young on that team that are having bigger roles. I think that's why. It's as simple as fans didn't get to watch him in person, so it's not someone that they're too familiar with. And uh, I think his name will start to gain more traction as the season goes on. I 100% agree. I think his potential is is through the roof. If he puts on some size and continues to just play to his strength and can build up that three-point shot like he's trying to do, what an unbelievable talent JT Thor is. We're talking to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. One name that has not been playing in the NBA Summer League is Walker Kessler, a guy that has, he's only been in the league for a few weeks and he's already on his third team. Nothing to, you know, not that he's done anything wrong. He's just been kind of in the middle of a few trades. You know, I don't know if he's going to get any Summer League action or not. I doubt it. Uh, But what do you expect to see from Walker Kessler whenever he hits the floor, whether it be in the summer or in October when the season starts? 
Yeah, I'm hoping that they give him a chance. I believe that Utah had that had their they hosted a summer league kind of small tournament with four teams, and he got there in the middle of that. I think they're headed to Vegas soon for for the rest of summer league. So I'm hoping that they bring him along and he's able to get some time. It's going to be interesting because obviously the Jazz have uh, been relying a lot on Rudy Gobert over these past few seasons, and uh, he's going to have a chance to make his name known. Now they have Hassan Whiteside, so. I'm not sure if Walker Kessler will start off the bat, but that I think that there will be times during the season where Kessler is getting almost as many minutes as Whiteside. Whiteside's kind of been trending downwards in his last few years, so it's going to be interesting to see how he matches with uh, a Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. I, I like that he's got a veteran in Conley and, and an all-star in Mitchell, so that you've got, got the good leader and then you've got the player that uh, they're building around. So. I, I, I imagine the Jazz see something in Kessler that they like that matches with Donovan Mitchell. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Hillman, in your opinion, is it to Walker Kessler's advantage to be a starter this early, or do you think it's better for him to be coming off the bench in his, in his development-wise? Yeah, that, that, that's hard to say. Uh, I think that he can start right off the bat, and I, like I, said, I don't think he will because I think Whiteside, with, the, with his veteran presence, they're going to put him in the starting lineup. Especially after losing such a great player in Gobert, uh, they don't want to put too much pressure on Kessler. So I think from that standpoint, it's better for him to come off the bench. But I also think he just needs to get the, get out there and uh, play as many minutes as possible. I mean, I think his, his his strong suit is obviously the defense, and you know he's a player that obviously all the Jazz fans are saying hopefully he can become a defensive player of the year at some point, like Gobert did many times. And um, his offense is what needs to develop a little bit. So. Like Jabari Smith, just getting those minutes and getting out there and getting a feel for what the NBA is like, I think will help him more than uh, developing off the floor in practice. Well, I'm with you. I hope that the Jazz give him some NBA Summer League reps. Not that the NBA Summer League is, you know, it's not about the wins and losses, let's be honest. It's about the players getting on the floor, getting some minutes and some reps and development. I hope Walker Kessler is able to do that a few games for the Utah Jazz. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, excuse me, let's talk some football for a minute. SEC Media Days is next week in Atlanta. Of course, Auburn will be on the last day on Thursday what are you expecting to hear from Brian Harson and the players about the program, NIL, conference expansion, all of that, which will be discussed next week? Yeah, I think the funny part is I think there might be less focus on the actual field than there will be on I think you're right. off the field stuff. I mean, I think that a lot of what we're going to be hearing about is, uh, I think with the SEC, I think you're going to hear a lot more about NIL than you are about uh, the conference expansion. There will be plenty of that as well, but uh, I think especially with the uh, Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher feud from about a month ago, maybe two months now, that is going to be the topic of discussion. And obviously, Coach Harson is going to be asked about that plenty of times uh, as he is the coach of Auburn, Alabama's rival. And I think that it's going to be interesting because of how how, how NIL is shaping up here at Auburn. Uh, I think everyone's seen the Plains NIL Auburn Club. I, I, I might have mispronounced that name, but... Uh, it's the players are are leading that charge, and it's really interesting to see how they're doing that, so that fans can connect to them more uh, than uh, than they used to without NIL. And this is also the players' choice and how they run this and how they do it. And it'll be interesting to see if he's asked about that and uh, what kind of freedom those players are being given and what kind of guidance they're be, they're being given. Because I think it's a very interesting uh, kind of way to go about this. I, I don't think that's happening at a lot of schools, but. Uh, Auburn players, they, they have taken the charge on it. 
And when Brian Harson and the players get to the podium on Thursday, besides the NIL and conference expansion, because like you said, there's going to be so much conversation about that. But besides those two major topics, what do you want to hear from Harson and the players about this upcoming season and the current status of this team? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about the quarterback position, uh, about Zach Calzada and TJ Finley and and heck, even even Robbie Ashford, I, th- I think the, the competition is going to be between Calzada and Finley. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about the development of everyone uh, on that on that in that quarterback room. And then on defense, I think uh, it'll be interesting to hear how the linebackers develop because right now you, the, the only guy that's proven in that linebacker room is Owen Papo, and you've got a bunch of other younger guys that have played smaller roles in the previous seasons. But that's going to expand this year and. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, there's a name that pops out of his mouth that maybe you weren't expecting or uh, maybe someone that you were expecting, and uh, he's really impressed the coaching staff. Talking to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, just a couple more and I'll let you get out of here. We're 54 days away from the Auburn football season beginning on September 3rd, and in my opinion, and I want to see what you think, in my opinion, I think the – the enthusiasm and the positivity and the confidence in this Auburn football program seems to be rising a little bit the closer we get to football season due to some of the good things coming out of the program, whether it be from coaches, players, beat writers, radio personalities, whoever it may be. Do you feel that that's the, the, the situation right now that fans and the media are a little bit more optimistic about this season? Absolutely. I know that there there are rankings being released. I think I saw one today where it has Auburn finishing 12th in the SEC and whatnot, but there are still positive aspects coming out of this program, uh, even with all of that. It's a good thing that Auburn was able to get four-star recruits over the past few weeks. And, you know, those. I think that was kind of what was holding back the optimism was the recruiting side of things, but a little bit of momentum is starting to uh, to, to build up and they just got to keep hammering them out. Of course, I think we're in the dead period now, so you probably won't be much going on uh, for a little bit. But still, it's all about those first five home games and the recruiting aspect. And, you know, that's when all the official visits are going to be going on. So uh, I think that that's how you can really take off uh, with the recruiting momentum. And, and it seems like that's how a ton of optimism is stemmed from, is the recruiting and, you know, how is what does the future look like? So uh, I, I think that as long as uh, – this this keeps up the way it's going from the past two weeks or so I think that the recruiting can really take off and 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 the optimism will continue to grow well Hillman it's always good to have you on my friend let everybody know where they can keep up with everything you're doing with Auburn Sports Network yeah y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU follow the Auburn Sports Network at AU Sports Network uh football season is like you said just around the corner there's soccer and volleyball that'll be starting before that in August so we're we're, we're we are gaining closer as the minutes go by absolutely we are so close my friend it's always good to have you on i'll talk to you later right thank you jacob war eagle war eagle to you as well that's jacob hillman of the auburn sports network that's my conversation with jacob hillman of the auburn sports network let's wrap up uh the wednesday edition of on the line after this break stay tuned you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Big cracks of thunder coming from outside right now. Holy smokes. It was I I was sitting there during the commercial break and there was only a few in there, but man, I was sitting here, I was looking something up on my laptop real quick and all of a sudden I just 
I jumped in my chair a little bit. Just a huge crack of thunder outside. I did it twice during that little commercial break. So the rain is coming. I'm about to pull up the radar here and see what's about what's about to happen here uh, in Auburn. But uh, I knew the the weather was supposed to be moving in, but I did not know it was supposed to be like big time thunderstorms. I know they were calling for some rain and some storms, but man, I just I was not expecting that. Let's see. Looking at the I'm looking at the hourly, and it's only like a 20% chance right now. I'm looking at the Weather Channel uh, right now, and looks like some scattered thunderstorms and thunderstorms six, seven, and eight o'clock, and then it looks like it's going to be moving out of here. So uh, possibly some. Hey, it's supposed to rain tomorrow too. Unbelievable. But yeah, I just I got really I'm not scared, but just kind of like it shocked me a little bit and made me jump. I wasn't expecting big loud cracks of thunder right then, but. I mean, look, it's Alabama in the middle of the summer. You never know what's going to happen down here with the weather. But we're wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader uh, just played the interview of Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Had that conversation with him a couple of days ago. Uh, So always good talking to him. That was a great interview. So I wanted to play that again, make sure everybody got a chance to hear that. But if you missed any of today's show, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. I go in, cut all the commercials out, and you can listen to it commercial-free whenever you want. Today's show or any other show that I've had, you can go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Well, final take today. Uh, nothing too crazy, right? There's nothing, I mean, there's no huge major sports controversies going on right now. Uh, but final take, uh, today is that SEC media days next week is going to be a blast. That's what I can tell you. I'm going to have uh, an absolute blast doing that. And I will, the, the one thing I can promise you is I'm going to be working my butt off to get as much audio and interviews and content that I can next week for you at SEC Media Days. And we're going to talk about it some more tomorrow. We'll talk about it some more on Friday, just previewing what to expect from Media Days. But if there's one thing I can guarantee, it's that I will be doing everything I can to make sure I get as much content. This is a great opportunity that Auburn Network is letting me go to. And I'm really excited. All of our shows are going to be good. The Max Roundtable, On the Line, and The Drive, all of them are going to be good, have great content coming out of SEC Media Days. And like I said, we're going to have audio from the main podium uh, that the coaches and the players talk on. We'll be trying to get interviews on the side from whoever, really. I mean, and, and we're in the works to get some guests on the show as well. So really, really excited. And like I said, too, some of my regular guests who will be in person that I normally talk to on the phone, they'll be there at Media Days. So we'll be talking to them in person. Uh, I know for sure. Uh, Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. Chris Gordy, host of Locked On SEC. Uh, Possibly Joey Blackwell from Bama Central. Haven't uh, gotten back with him yet. But, I mean, some of my guests that I have on regularly uh, over the phone, we're going to talk to hopefully in person on the show during SEC Media Days. Plus, some big-time guests next week. Uh, You know, coaches, players, media personalities, whoever we can get a hold of. It's going to be great content. You do not want to miss it. And big thank you to Auburn Network sending me over there. The Max Roundtable will go live 11 to 
two. I'll be on with on the line two to four and then the drive. Uh, Remember, Dan Peck, who was the co-host of the drive, he will be co-hosting on the line with me from two to four, and then he'll be connecting and going on the drive from four to six. I'll probably sit in on that first segment of the drive talking some stuff with them, and then I'll let them do their thing like they do from four to six. But so much good stuff coming out of next week. SEC Media Days is important folks there's a lot of good stuff that will come out of it again I don't expect anything just like shock the world type of news but there's a lot of good information a lot of good content coming out of it it gets us ready for college football we're 52 days away from the college football season lots to talk about it's the unofficial kickoff to the college football season after media days it's fall camp fall practice and then the season is right there so lots of stuff to talk about I'm so excited football season right around the corner Auburn's going to shock some people. That's all I can tell you. Auburn is going to shock some people. They're going to have more wins than what a lot of people are expecting. There's more talent on this team than what people are giving credit for. I'm excited where it's going to get hyped up even more. The SEC is going to be the best. Auburn's going to surprise some people. And SEC Media Days next week is going to be a whole lot of fun. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.